We choose truth over facts. Oh my God, they've got a madman on their hands. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him, uh, put, excuse me. And now they want to use the next layers of tyranny. Layer number one is the 15-minute city. Layer number two is the personal carbon allowance. Layer number three is a digital ID with a universal basic income. And the final nail in the coffin is the central bank digital currency. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Thank you so very, very much for tuning in. It's great to have you back. That was Canadian activist and patriot Chris Skye, who's running for mayor of Toronto. And believe you me, that's giving the New World Order traders some sleepless nights. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. We're technically at war and in a recession. Two things the government doesn't want you to know, but it's only a matter of time until the cracks start to show and you know who's going to get hit the most? You. That's why you need to protect yourself and your family, because things are going to get worse before they get better. Fortunately, Noble Gold Investments is here to help you. There's always a risk of investment and no guarantee of any kind, so do your own due diligence. But you've worked too hard to build up your savings and investments to see it all crumble. Gold and silver from Noble Gold Investments are real possessions in times like these. Knowing you're outside the system, if and when it crashes, is a great feeling. And a surefire way to keep your money safe for your retirement is a precious metals IRA. Noble Gold Investments has been helping people just like you to keep their money safe for years with these IRAs. And this month, Noble Gold is giving away a Gold Eagle bullion coin with every qualifying IRA of $50,000 or higher. Make sure you don't get trampled. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey, friends. Thank you so very, very much for tuning in. It's Sean from SGT Report here, and I have a real treat for you here. A global hero, not just a hero of Toronto or Canada or the province in which he resides. I think he's a hero to the world. It's Chris Skye. And guys, before I uh, play this clip, I will welcome him. But let me just say, Chris Skye 100% nailed it in May of 2020. We'll watch that in just one second. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, brother? I am doing very well. It's just a pleasure to finally get you on. And a shout out to our mutual internet friend, Wayne. This one's for you, Wayne. Wayne kept saying, you got to get Chris Skye on. And here you are in the flesh. You're uh, where are you right now? Toronto? I'm actually in Toronto. I'm moving around a lot. I was in Edmonton just a few days ago. Uh, I'll be here until Monday. Then I'll be in Edmonton for two days. I'll be in Vancouver for two days. Back in Edmonton for a day. Back in Vancouver for a day. Yes, flying back and forth because I have multiple events in different cities. It's crazy. So we're flying like four times in two days. Then I'll be I'll be in Edmonton and Calgary once again before coming back to Toronto at the end of March uh, for a big nomination banquet dinner I'm having on April 1st that's going to be basically uh, like a hype, a hyping dinner and a big fundraiser to uh, promote the idea of me campaigning for mayor. Fantastic, guys. He's running for mayor of Toronto. And I'm going to just play that clip here real quick. This is from May of 2020. And Chris Sky was well ahead of the curve, friends. Well ahead of the curve, friends. Here's what he had to say about the lockdowns, COVID, the vaccines, which we now know is a bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine. He nailed it. Don't need a mask. The mask is about compliance because they know Canadians like to do what they're told. So if they tell you you have to wear a mask, next they're going to tell you you have to contact trace. Then they're going to tell you you have to take the vaccine. And because Canadians like to do what they're told, they're hoping that everyone just complies. And then guess what, kids? Once you take your vaccine, like a dumb person that doesn't know any better, they're going to tell you, sorry, the vaccine isn't as effective as we thought it was going to be. So now you still got to wear your mask, still got to get contact trace, still have all the restrictions and social distancing and still take your vaccine. We could just stop right there, Chris. You absolutely nailed it. You knew what Pfizer was going to say before they said it. And uh, it's a bioweapon, too. That's the punchline to the story. So I guess the first round of the bioweapon wasn't good enough. So go get your second dose, your third dose, your booster, your booster, your booster. It's insanity, man. Total insanity. It was complete insanity, it's a, it, and it, it showed how it showed how it showed how scary mass propaganda is, and how powerful mass propaganda is. Because normally you wouldn't be able to convince someone to pay to inject themselves with something that's going to kill them, but that's exactly what they did. 
They literally had people so scared and so confused. They were literally lining up and paying to kill themselves. That's absolutely insanity. But if you're an evil person who wants to take over the world, it's probably the most evil genius plan of all time. Literally making people kill themselves and getting them to pay for it. Have you ever heard of a more effective means of war than getting your own enemy to pay to kill themselves? Because I haven't. Well, that's right. And this is World War Three. Shots haven't been fired yet, at least in my nation or your nation. Certainly that's happening over in Ukraine as uh, the puppet Joe Biden wants to take us directly into World War Three. God only knows why. Maybe it's to protect their child sex trafficking rings. That's one guess. Uh, but uh, let me just go to your Wikipedia page. And I find this extremely entertaining, guys. Uh, Christopher Sokocha, widely referred to as Chris Sky, is a Canadian conspiracy theorist known for his involvement in the anti-mask, anti-lockdown, COVID-19 denial, and anti-vaccine movements during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hey, my hat's off to you, man. This is a very accurate Wikipedia page because that is exactly true. And the people who want to hang you out to drive for it are on the wrong side of history. I have a couple of clips to play from your puppet, Trudeau Castro, here in a second. But uh, they nailed it here. And I'd be proud of this page if I were you. You are on the right side of history. I know I am, and it's actually uh, it's the only Wikipedia page that I know of that can't be edited. So it's literally 100% propaganda, every single word designed to try to discredit and defame me and to try to stop people from listening to me. And why? Because they can't stop people from listening to me by debating what I say, because what I say is the simple truth, and what I say always comes to fruition. So how do you how do you debate someone like that that's telling the truth with lies? You obviously can't. So what do you do? You discredit the, to- the truth teller. You call me every name in the book and see what sticks. Conspiracy theorist, racist, Holocaust denier, transphobe, Islamophobe. You name it, I've been called it. And it's all complete bull. They also, the, the latest thing that I, I have to deal with, and it's been going on for three years, is the fake charges that people say I have. Because there's another gentleman by the same name, Christopher Sakocha. And he's from Toronto as well. And he's got a really long criminal record, including gun charges, gang charges, drug charges. And they like to pretend this is me. And they like to go around and tell everyone this is me. And they, and even after I go and say it's not me, I have no criminal record. I'm 39 years old. And I just had my guns confiscated from me last year uh, due to false charges. So if I already had a criminal record, there would have been no way I would have had a pal to obtain guns in the first place in Canada. So this is the kind of stuff I deal with every day. It's all defamation of character. It's all slander. It's all discrediting because they cannot attack my message. Because My message has been and always will be true. And my message from day one was, ladies and gentlemen, COVID and the response has nothing to do with your health and safety and everything to do with control. We call that phase one of united noncompliance, the global awakening. The realization that the government isn't your friend, your family, your protector. The government doesn't love you. The government is trying to control you and the government is trying to subvert you. And the government is trying to take away your independence and your power and your freedom, period. Once you get that reality, you can wake up. That's what we call someone who's awake. Once you are awake, you can go to phase two of United Noncompliance, which is taking action. Now you can actually speak out. You can write songs, you can make videos, you can do documentaries, you can create lawsuits, you can do podcasts, you can do all these things that bring awareness, that educate people, that inspire people to speak out. And you got to be careful because once you're awake, the government knows you're awake, the government knows you're a threat. Because once you're awake, you're aware. Once you're aware, you become an individual with a little bit of power. So how do they nullify that power? Well, they got to get you, they can't put you back to sleep. But what they can do is they can make you feel negative. And that's what all the propaganda is for. That's what the TV and the news and everything and all the media is for. Because if they can make you feel despair, hopelessness, overwhelmed, well, then you go into that negative state of mind. And now even though you're awake, you're nullified. You're not going to stand up for yourself. You're not going to uh, you're not going to meet up with other people and stand up for each other. You're just going to sit there and say, oh, what what can I do? Oh, well, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. That's what they want. So. Phase one is to realize that this has nothing to do with your health and safety. Boom, now you're awake. Now, in order to go to phase two, stay positive. How do you stay positive? 
You just ignore all the BS. You ignore the restrictions. You ignore the mandates. You ignore the, the fake death counts. You ignore all the negativity. The best way is to simply not watch TV. I don't. I haven't had cable for years. I watch movies and stuff when I want, and I pick and choose what I watch. I don't watch this propaganda. I don't watch Big Pharma. I don't watch any of that. And it helps me maintain a positive frame of mind. When you're in a positive frame of mind, now you can take action. When enough people around the world are taking action and waking up enough people, that's when we can achieve the critical mass required to bring governments to their knees and get the results we want. And we saw that. We made an example of that in Canada with something called the trucker convoy. I started the movement called Just Say No around the world. And that movement was to just say no to the vaccines, just say no to the masks, just say no to the business closures, just say no to all the mandates in general. And if everybody individually did their part and just said no, a defensive maneuver out of love and non-aggressive, non-violent, well, then this could never happen. And when you can get enough people together to just say no for the same purpose, that's what United Noncompliance is. And that's exactly what the trucker convoy was. And what happened? We had people from all walks of life, all ethnicities, all religions, all political backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera, coming together to fight off the mandates and fight for freedom. And what happened? Well, we don't have masks anymore. We don't have travel mandates anymore, even though the United States still has travel mandates. And we don't have vaccine mandates for the most part in most of our day. And that's because we fought back. That's because the so-called docile Canadians actually stood up for themselves. So then we tried to move on to phase three of United Noncompliance. And that's the best one. That's holding these people accountable. And we try. We try with lawsuits. We try to make them get charged. We're seeing a lot of resignations. We're seeing a lot of backtracking. We're seeing a lot of ass covering. But we're not seeing a lot of consequences for their actions yet. And there's a reason for that. Because as we're trying to do that, now they're bombarding us with the next phase of their plan, which is the climate change agenda. And COVID was always the precursor to the climate change agenda because they wouldn't get people to give in to climate change. Not enough people believe in it. Not enough people are scared of it. There wasn't enough social, uh, social stigma to resist it. So what did they do? They used COVID to basically soften us up. And what do I mean by that? They needed to fundamentally change the way we think and feel as a society on a global scale in two fundamental uh, ways. And the first way was they had to destroy the notion of rights and freedoms being paramount to a successful society. And that wasn't easy because for generations, we've been taught that personal rights and freedoms are the bedrock of a foundational society. We have actually fought world wars and had millions of people die to preserve those rights and freedoms. So to get somebody to just give them up without a fight, that's quite the trick. But that's exactly what COVID did. It changed everything. Now, all of a sudden, rights and freedoms weren't paramount to a successful society. Rights and freedoms are selfish and dangerous. And those people that would fight for rights and freedoms are no longer soldiers or patriots or heroes. They are now domestic terrorists and never before in history has compliance and cowardice been seen as heroic and a virtue but in covid it was wear a mask take your jab close your business don't question just comply you're a hero you're doing your part they literally turned everything on its head and that's a fundamental shit oh you got muted you just muted you're muted full responsibility we're where we have to look after ourselves and our families and each other. They wanted to get this notion of collective responsibility straight out of the Karl Marx playbook, straight out of the Communist Manifesto, straight out of every authoritarian dictatorship. You are no longer responsible for yourself. You're responsible for everybody else. You need to wear the mask to protect grandma. You need to take the jab to protect the, the person working next to you. And that's a very dangerous sentiment because now it means that the government is allowed to be involved in every decision in your life. And we know if they're involved, that means they also have control because the government always gets the final say. So now rights and freedoms are selfish and dangerous. And 
individual responsibility is no longer. Now it's collective responsibility. And that is exactly what they need for the climate change agenda. Because the climate change agenda is designed to carry on the COVID restrictions that you all despise. Don't go five kilometers from your home. Don't go out at certain times. All of that, social isolation, closing of your business when they want it. All of that is designed to get you used to living in their new global world for climate change. They, But they know that they can't force it upon you. They know that you need to volunteer. So they needed to reprogram your mind so you don't believe in rights and freedoms anymore and you don't believe in the notion of personal responsibility. Collective responsibility is the new thing. Why? Because now we have the next layers of tyranny. And COVID was only supposed to last a certain amount of years. Climate change is going to last for generations. So these new restrictions are going to be not just temporarily, but forever. And if you look at the progression, we went from rights and freedoms, paramount to successful society, to give up your rights and freedoms temporarily for your health and safety, to now give up your rights and freedoms permanently for the safety of planet Earth, because you are now the problem and you are the cancer on the Earth that needs to be controlled. That's how they get you with incrementalism. You went from step one all the way to step five without even realizing it. And that's very scary and very dangerous. And now they want to use the next layers of tyranny. Layer number one is the 15-minute city. Layer number two is the personal carbon allowance. Layer number three is a digital ID with a universal basic income. And the final nail in the coffin is the central bank digital currency. Now, since we already talked about incrementalism and how each step is going to apply the next level of this prison on you, it makes sense to break them down like that into steps and explain how each one is going to be used against you and how each next level works together with the previous one to further uh, give them more control over your life. Well, what is a 15-minute city? And what is the concept that, per, that is pushing a 15-minute city? Look it up. Type in 15-minute city on Google. One of the first things that will come up is Del Watt. Everyone knows what Del Watt is. It's a multi-billion dollar, multinational corporation, award-winning corporation, very well-respected, very well-known all over the world. Well, they did a write-up on 15-minute cities, and they don't lie. In the very first sentence, they tell you exactly what a 15-minute city's primary purpose is. The primary purpose of a 15-minute city is to reduce your so-called carbon footprint. And that is a euphemism for reducing your footprint in general, where you can travel, how you can travel, who you can see, when you can see them, what you can eat, what you can wear. Everything is going to be part of this new wonderful system. And the 15-minute city is designed to build a prison around you and get you used to the idea of not going more than five kilometers away from your home, just like they wanted with COVID. And how are they going to do it? Well, I was in England in September, and Oxford was one of the first examples of a 15-minute city in the world. And they are now using that model and expanding it not only around the UK and other parts of uh, Europe, but all over Canada has embraced this. The United States has now embraced this starting in Ohio, and it's going to expand all over. And it's going to be pushed in South America and all these other places. And the main purpose is to lower your carbon footprint. And the number one thing that you have that creates your carbon footprint, ladies and gentlemen, is your personal automobile. By far, that creates more of your carbon footprint than anything else you do unless you have something to do with the aviation industry. But for 99% of us that are car owners, your car is your number one thing to get, that creates your carbon footprint. So that's the number one thing they want to take away from you. So the idea of a 15-minute city is to drastically reduce the amount of private vehicle traffic and private vehicle ownership. So the first thing they do is take your city and divide it into small little areas around five square kilometers each, which they call districts, just like the Hunger Games. Once they've established your district, 
which is borders within borders, they put up barricades, they put up traffic bollards, and they put up special cameras that will monitor the traffic, read license plates, and count how many times you're going in and out of your place. Once they have that set up, they put limits on when and where you are allowed to leave your district. In Oxford, you are only allowed to leave your district 100 days out of the year. And if it's at a day or time when you're supposedly not allowed, you have to actually call and get special permission in order to travel more than a few kilometers away from where you live. Now, if that wasn't enough to keep you put and make sure that you're not going to be driving a car, what else are they doing? Well, every new development under the 15-minute city doctrine removes car lanes and replaces it with pedestrian or bike lanes. It removes parking lots and replaces them with parks. It removes high-rise buildings with large underground parking with minimum amounts of parking and replaces it with multi-use buildings where there is commercial on the bottom, residential on the top, and maximum amounts of parking, not minimum amounts of parking, to make sure that as we move forward in years and as we expand the population, they create less and less infrastructure for private automobiles to remove them from society altogether. They don't want you to have a private car. And why do they want residential on top of commercial? Because they want you to live and work in the same building. That is the ideal. Now you don't need to walk anywhere. You don't need to drive anywhere. You spend the vast majority of your life in the same building. Think about it. You wake up, you have your breakfast in your apartment. You go downstairs, same building where you work. When you finish work, you might go to the gym. It's probably in the same building, so you're going to go there. Then you might have to go grocery shopping. Don't worry, your grocery store is also going to be in the building, so you'll go there. Then you're going to go back to your house, have your dinner, play in your metaverse until you go to sleep. And that's going to be your life virtually every day, not even leaving your building, not even going outside, let alone going more than five kilometers away from your house. Now, sorry, I just dropped the camera there. Yeah, no problem. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, how are they going to make sure that you don't have the financial or psychological capabilities to leave your 15-minute city or travel around the world. Well, that's where the personal carbon allowance comes in. And write that down, ladies and gentlemen, personal carbon allowance. Because here's another Chris Sky prediction. You're going to see one of the most massive propaganda campaigns that you've ever experienced in your life to try to convince you of the necessity to voluntarily track your so-called carbon footprint which is going to allow them to put a carbon allowance on virtually every single thing you do by decision you make and if you think this is a conspiracy theory i suggest you go and book a flight right now go to any airline website go to book a flight book a flight from new york to london a return flight it's about seven or eight hours each way, so 15 or 16 hours full of worth of travel. How much does it cost? It'll tell you. How much of the duration of the flight? It'll tell you. Well, now it tells you something else. How much carbon that's going to cost. And it tells you that that flight's going to cost about 500 kilograms or half a ton of carbon. Well, what does that mean? Well, under the Paris Climate Agreements that the United States, Canada, and many others have signed, they established that our baseline of our carbon usage right now in North America is over 20 tons of CO2 a year, or 20,000 kilograms. And under the Paris Climate Agreement, they have agreed that we need to reduce that by 2030 from 20 to 2 tons of carbon per person per year. So that little flight from New York to London and back 500 kilograms or half a ton of carbon in 15 hours under these new agreements would be 25% one quarter of your entire yearly allowance. So are you going to be flying whenever you want under this? No. Are you going to be driving anywhere? Absolutely not. That's why they tell you in a 15-minute city, you're going to be a 15-minute walk or bike ride from everything. 
That's not because it's supposed to be convenient. It's because it's designed so you will never have a car and not be able to. And if you're walking or biking for 15 minutes in each direction, you're not going to go more than one or two kilometers. So you're going to be in a radius of that five square kilometers that they wanted you on lockdown and COVID. Only this is now your life. And now because you're going to go along with a personal carbon allowance, then if you think they're trying not to do this, you can go to the MasterCard website and you can already get a MasterCard called the MasterCard Climate Card. And not only does it give you a credit limit monthly, which could be $100,000 if you're rich, but it'll give you a climate carbon limit each month. And every purchase you make will track the amount of so-called carbon it uses. And guess what? If you go over your monthly carbon limit, the card will not work. You might have credit left, but you won't have carbon credit. So they cut you off. So under that new system, the average person is not even going to want to go to the grocery store with somebody else because they're going to get charged extra for having that extra person with them. This entire system is designed to limit your movements, limit your interaction, limit your freedom financially and otherwise. So how are they going to continue? How are they going to how are they really going to get you with the carbon? Well, once you allow them to track you, they're going to place that limit on you. Once they have that limit on you, they are going to tax you a new tax, not just sales tax, not just income tax. Now you're going to have a new carbon tax on every single thing you buy. And Justin Trudeau, our fearless leader, told us exactly how much that tax is going to cost. It's going to be $170 per ton. So if you use their own numbers, where the average person uses over 20 tons of CO2 per year, that means the average person living how they live today, will get charged an extra $3,500 a year just in carbon taxes. For start, That doesn't include all the extra cost of living increase on every single thing you need to survive. This is just an additional $3,500 a year tax starting on every single thing that you buy. Now, that's for a single person. If you're a family of four, now you're talking about, what, $14,000, $15,000 a year? and extra expenditures in carbon taxes simply to have the same standard of living you had last year, that's exactly what we're talking about. So for the average person, that's going to mean they're not going to be able to go anywhere. They're not even going to get to choose what they want to eat. They're going to be tightly controlled. And at that point, they're going to be so starved for cash, many of them are not going to be able to even feed themselves or pay their rent because you're not going to own a house or anything. You're going to be paying rent. Because you're not going to own nothing, but you'll be happy. And when we get to that point where a vast majority of the people simply can't make ends meet without government assistance, surprise, surprise, not only does the government no longer serve you, it rules you. The government's going to come in as your savior with a wonderful program they're going to call universal basic income. And now everybody's going to get money every month for free from the government, whether you work or not, every man and woman of 17 plus. And all you're going to have to do to get that money is sign up to the wonderful digital identity program. Give your iris, give your fingerprint, give your facial recognition, your voice. And then, of course, you'll have to submit to their mandatory vaccinations or anything else that they want, or you don't get access to that universal basic income. And now, of course, once you volunteered for that digital identity, that digital identity, just like the vaccine passport, will apply to every aspect of your life. You won't be able to work. You won't be able to travel. You won't be able to go to a restaurant. You won't be able to go to the gym. You won't even be able to go online without your digital ID. And that allows them to literally cut off any member of society from society whenever they want. And if that wasn't bad enough, it ends off with the central bank digital currency. This gives them an excuse to get rid of tra cash transactions. This gives them an ability to track, trace, control, tax and have to approve every single transaction you make for anything in your life. Under a central bank digital currency system, you won't even be able to sell your used shoes on eBay without the government knowing, without the government having to give you permission, and without the government being able to tax you as much as they friggin' want. This is the world they are setting up for you. And then once they have you on that central bank digital currency, you're already a slave for the rest of your life. 
But how can they make it so you can never attain wealth? Well, just ask China. They're going to make it so their digital currency expires. So it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how successful or how smart you are. If you do not spend that money that you make, the government will recoup it because you are now hoarding more than you need. This is a way to make sure that society stays as a slave class in a slave society for generations after generations without any ability to challenge them or any ability to improve your own personal or family situation. So that is what we are facing right now. And that is why I decided when I saw that John Tory had to resign from mayor and there was really nobody there to run, literally nobody, I saw it as an opportunity where I can insert myself into a position where I am directly between those imposing the agenda upon us and the people that need to be protected from that agenda. Hey, Chris. And I am a person. Sorry, go ahead. Friends, just a real quick break and a word about our sponsor. Silver has been valued for its beauty and rarity for centuries. But did you know it also plays a vital role in modern industry and tech? According to Noble Gold Investments CEO Colin Plume, who I just interviewed recently, silver could be the new oil. From electronics to solar panels, demand for silver is only set to rise. That's why investing in a silver IRA from Noble Gold Investments is a smart choice for those looking to secure their financial future. With a Noble Gold Investments silver IRA, you can invest in physical silver coins or bars and take advantage of its unique properties as both a precious metal and industrial commodity. Not only does a Noble Gold Investments silver IRA provide a hedge against inflation and market volatility, it also allows you to diversify your portfolio with an asset proven to hold its value over time. And this month, you'll get a beautiful Silver Eagle coin with every qualifying IRA of $20,000 or higher. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com to get started. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Chris, let's talk about that, the people who are aligned against us, and then we'll talk about your run for mayor here. I just want to say a couple of things. There's nothing that you just said that I don't agree with. So my audience is pretty well versed in this subject, but for those who aren't, everything you just said is critical. People need to understand the anti-human plan that's being rolled out globally, specifically in Western nations first, but uh, the China model. So Trudeau has praised the China model. You talk about personal carbon allowance. The propaganda that will be used to try to get people to comply with this tyranny is you want to be a good global citizen, don't you? That's the propaganda that's coming. The point is people need to comply with this tyranny. And just so folks understand, you mentioned 2030. It was United Nations Agenda 21. They wanted all of this implemented by 2021, but they're behind in their plan. So they expanded the plan. They bumped it back, and now it's called United Nations Agenda 2030. Everything Chris just described, they want in place by 2030, friends. So I have two clips to play from Justin Castro Trudeau in just one second. But let me just tell you this, Chris. I think part of the Great Awakening, as I speak personally, for me, is that when I think of the tyrants globally, the, the mainstream horror media and the politicians in the West want me to think of Bashar al-Assad in Syria, Vladimir Putin, etc. I don't think of those guys first. I think of Biden, Merkel, yeah. Macron, and Trudeau Castro. I truly do. These are don't the tyrants the in my view. 100%. Absolutely. So I want to play this clip for you. I know that you're well informed about who this guy is, really, who his birth father probably really is. But let me just play this clip, because when I heard him sworn in seven years ago, I hadn't heard about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, who this guy is a puppet to. He serves Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum as a young global leader. But I knew something was wrong because of who he pledged his allegiance to upon being sworn in. Listen to this. I... Justin P.J. Trudeau, do swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada, her heirs and successors. So help me God. I, Justin P.J. Trudeau, do solemnly and sincerely swear that I shall be a true and faithful servant to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II as a member of Her Majesty's Privy Council for Canada. I will in all things to be treated, debated, and resolved in Privy Council 
faithfully, honestly, and truly declare my mind and my opinion. I shall keep secret all matters committed and revealed to me in this capacity or that shall be secretly treated of in council. All right, I'll pause it there. I haven't heard anything in that swearing in where he pledged his allegiance to the people. So I just wanted to make that point. But I had no idea that he had sworn his allegiance to Klaus Schwab. I have another clip to play here first. But uh, did you want to comment on that? I call him the hand of the queen. Well, at least it makes perfect sense. At least he, he at least you can't call him a liar. He's on video telling you right to your face who his boss is and who controls him and that he's just a little puppet. So what do the people expect? That's right. All right. So one more clip from this clown. I want to play this and then I want your input on this. This is Justin Castro Trudeau saying he's confident the majority of the provinces will sign his dictatorial federal health care digital ID. And yes, he wants all Canadians to be good global citizens. Listen to this. Under three weeks, we've now signed agreements in principle with over half the provinces and territories, including Ontario, which was one of the first. We signed with Manitoba just on Friday. And this morning, we announced another agreement in principle with Alberta. These agreements take us all one step closer to making the real improvements that Canadians deserve. We fully expect the rest of the provinces and territories to make this step with us very soon. All right. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I pray God it doesn't happen. The man is a tyrant. He's a traitor to the people. He's aligned with the crown and he's aligned with the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. He's a bad guy, just like Biden is, just like Macron is, just like Merkel is. And your comments. He's one of the worst and everybody in the world knows that. I think Trudeau is one of the most well-known leaders all around the world and not for the reasons that he wants to be. Because I've traveled everywhere. Uh, I've traveled to like just in the last two, three months, almost a dozen countries. And everywhere I went where people recognized me, they would say hi to me and they would say F Trudeau everywhere. Everywhere. It's universal. In fact, on Amazon, the number one selling flag in the world is the F. Trudeau flag. So what does that tell you? It tells you that he's so brazen and so ridiculous that people literally all around the world feel sorry for Canadians for having to put up with them. But we have the same thing on the other side, too. I'm not going to give conservatives, uh, the so-called conservatives, any credence because in February 2021, before Pierre Polyevre was pretending like he supported the trucker convoy and supported freedom while his wife was writing articles with hashtag stay the fuck home, uh, making no sense whatsoever. He was the vice chair for the financial committee who met in February 2021, right right before the trucker convoy. And guess what two of his recommendations in that committee were? A digital ID and a digital currency. No different than the puppets on the other aisle. So we get this false dictum and this false choice of puppet number one or puppet number two, both saying the same things in a different way and both ultimately pushing the exact same policies that are coming directly from international sources of unelected bureaucrats that are not in the best interest of Canadians and not in the best interest of virtually any of the citizens of the countries that these policies are being imposed upon. And as we see in places like Oxford, when they uh, when they told the, the population about the 15-minute cities and had a town hall meeting, 94% of the people voted against it. So naturally, the government took that as a, uh, as a, as a decision to go forth because, you know, it doesn't matter if only 5 or 4% of the people or 5% of the people agree with you. Uh, you're supposed to represent the people, but you obviously know better than the other 95%, so you should just impose your will upon them. And that's what we're seeing right now. And we're going to see this massive propaganda about how uh, 15-minute cities are all about convenience mm-hmm. and inclusivity and equity. And that's all propaganda for you're not going to have anything, you're not going to go anywhere, and your life is going to suck. And they want everybody's life to suck equally. And here in Canada, we have this other little issue. It's March right now, middle of March. And it's a snowstorm, and it's freezing cold. And it's weather like that here in Canada for around five months out of the year. So what do you think is going to happen for the average person when 90% of them don't have cars? Are they going to take their scooter or their bicycle in the freezing cold in their snow? No, they're going to stay home. And that's what this is all about. 
getting people used to the idea that you have to stay home like a prisoner. The idea of road tripping across the country when you're 16 and just got your license is something that they never want the generations to experience ever again. This is what you need to get through to your head. They are trying to fundamentally change society forever in a way that you're not going to like. I, yeah. I don't know how to make it clearer than that. No, it's 100% clear. And I want to talk about your run for mayor here. But first, help me uh, understand what I'm seeing here. I'm not really familiar. I'm not well versed in the different Canadian parties. What are we seeing okay, so here? And just help me them... understand how are we going to get these elections to be fair and transparent? Because oh. Biden did not get 81 million votes. They just steal elections, as we've okay, seen well, it's very all over the steal, planet. It's very easy to steal a U.S. federal election because you guys have an electoral college and the electoral college has a lot of swing states. And those swing states are only around 5% one way or the other. So it's not hard to electronically skew votes, 5 or 10%. So now all of a sudden, you've only skewed a few percentage of the votes, but now you've won five different states and 50 electoral college votes that make a massive difference and made that person win the election. In, uh, in Canadian municipal politics, there's no electoral college. There's no seats that need to be served. It's just you go to all the different eligible voters and they count the votes. So it's much harder to lie on the scale they're going to need to. And what you saw there, you saw conservatives, liberals, NDP. The only two that really matter are the conservatives and the liberals. And the conservatives, even though they're blue here, are supposed to be like the Republicans in the U.S., and the liberals here, even though red, are supposed to be like the Democrats in the United States. The other parties are just there for, for, for fun, basically, because no one has a mathematical chance of victory every single election except the conservative candidate and the liberal candidate. So we have a de facto two-party system in Canada, just like you guys do in the States, and it's just as corrupt in the States. But in the municipal election, first of all, it doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal, any of that, because nobody went and voted. In the last election for Toronto mayor, less than 30% of the eligible voters went and voted. So what does that mean? That means the largest voting demographic is the non-voter. Doesn't matter how old they are, doesn't matter what their political leanings are, 71% of the people simply looked at the, the, the candidates and said, none of those people represent my interests. I don't care which party they're from or what they say. I'm not even going to get off my ass and vote. When I am a candidate, all of those people who have never voted, people just like me, will get up and vote. And when we see a voter participation rate of 50 or 60 percent compared to the paltry 30 percent or less that we got in the last election, it will be physically impossible for them to rig it on the scale that they will need to make anybody else come close to beating me. That is why I'm doing this election. That is why I'm confident. And the whole and, the, and everything around this election basically fell into my lap. Because I never even considered any type of political office or any type of political run whatsoever, especially during the last mayoral election when John Tory had already won twice and this was going to be his third incumbent. So the chances of anybody beating him were slim to none, if that. And that's why I never even thought about it. I never even considered it. Then the only reason I was going to be in Toronto in February was because they were forcing me to go to court for some serious charges, and I had a trial date on February 15th. Subsequently, on February 18th, there was a worldwide rally happening in Toronto. So because I was going to be there anyway for court, they asked if I would headline and speak the rally. I said, sure. So now, because the government is forcing me to go to Toronto, I was going to be in Toronto for court and the worldwide rally. A week before I was flying out to Toronto, uh, I got a call from a father. And I get calls from people all the time because my phone number is public and people ask me for help with all kinds of weird stuff. And this man was at the end of his rope. He was asking me for help with his daughter who was suffering an eating disorder, mental health breakdown throughout the COVID lockdown. Nine months, nobody else could help her. He knew I was well-versed in nutrition and fitness. He knew his daughter was a fan of mine. So he wanted me to talk to her. I ended up talking to her. I ended up making friends with the family. I found out it was his daughter's birthday on February 16th. The day after my court case, when I was going to be in Toronto. So I told the family that my wife and I were going to come by their house and bring the daughter a birthday present. 
to which they thought was a great idea. So the next day, my wife comes walking into the room and says, did you hear? And I said, what? She said, John Tory is resigning as mayor of Toronto. Mm-hmm. I said, why? What happened? And we found out John Tory had sex with someone less than half his age that he was paying a salary to. So it was kind of a conflict of interest and kind of, and really businessly unethical. So before I even knew John Tory was resigning and before I even had any thinkings of even attempting to run for mayor, my phone started ringing and I was getting all these messages and it was all these people asking me if I was running for mayor of Toronto. And I was like, what are, what are people talking about? So I finally answered the phone call and it was one of my friends who's like, are you running for mayor of Toronto? What are you talking about? Is it, well, John Tory just resigned for mayor. I said, yeah, I know. What does that have to do with me running for mayor of Toronto? They go, I don't know, but you're trending for mayor of Toronto on Google and Twitter. So I went and checked, and sure enough, I was trending Chris Guy for mayor of Toronto, which I thought was amusing. So I made a video teasing the idea to run for mayor, and it went pretty viral, to my surprise. So then I was flying into Toronto. I flew into Toronto, and I was kind of contemplating if I should run for mayor or not because I started seeing the opportunity because there's literally, without John Tory, they have nobody else. I, I haven't even heard of any of the other candidates, let alone do I believe they're qualified to beat me. So I was I was seriously considering it. Then on the date of February 16th, I got a call from the father of the little girl that we were supposed to bring the birthday present to, and he told me she had made a turn for the worse, and if we wanted to visit her, we were going to have to go to a hospital. So we drove an hour and a half to this hospital to visit her, bring her a birthday gift, spent a couple of hours with the family. And uh, before we left, I asked the little girl, I said, so what was the favorite birthday gift that we brought you? And be honest. And she looked at me and she said, my favorite gift was you and your wife coming to see me. I thought that was really, really, really nice. And it was one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me. I'm like, thank you. I really appreciate that. And before I could even respond, she looked me right in the eyes from a hospital bed, bedridden, uneven able to eat solid food, poor thing. And she said, are you really going to run for mayor? My daddy says you're going to run for mayor and you're going to help people like me. Yeah, that's so, powerful, man. Hey, at least I believe your story. Biden tries to tell these stories and he gets tripped up in his lies every single time. Well, I'm not lying. And I told I, I you can see me on on record many times on video saying that I would do everything in my power because people are like, oh, you get arrested. This happens to you. This happens to you. And I, I always responded. I don't care if I get arrested. I don't care if they come after me. I don't care what happens. I said I will do everything in my power to stop these people and everything in my power to stop them from hurting children. And I thought about that when that little girl said that to me. So when she said that to me, the only answer I could possibly give her without being a piece of garbage was, yes, I'm going to run for mayor of Toronto. So then on 17th, John Tory officially resigned. On the 18th, I officially announced that I was going to become a candidate. And now I'm here in Toronto right now making all the preparations because we have a lot of preparations. Just in, in order for me to run a candidacy, I can't work for three months. I have to arrange people to watch. We have eight dogs. I'm wearing this because we have a wolf sanctuary. Someone made this special for me, a special artist. And we have eight wolf hybrids in Alberta. So I have had somebody watching them because I have to be in Toronto for this election. I still have bills and mortgages and everything else I got to pay. So we're doing everything we can to get everything in place and make all the arrangements necessary. So I will be able to dedicate 100% of my time and effort to this campaign. And, uh, It's going to kick off April 4th is when I'll be eligible to become a candidate. So before that happens, we are hosting an amazing event on April 1st. Uh, You can get tickets for it. I just put the tickets online today at chrissky4change.com. You'll have multiple options of how to buy the tickets or what type of tickets to buy on the site. My phone number is on the site. My phone number is 416-400-400. Nine 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 four. So if anybody has any questions, tickets are selling very fast. There's a hundred uh, normal tickets and twenty VIP tickets available. And this is a mayoral nomination banquet before the election campaign. In order to build the hype we need, and in order to create the necessary uh, prerequisites we need to be able to have a campaign in the first place. So this is an extremely important event. It's extremely important, uh, not just for me, but for the city and for everything we've been trying to do for the last three years. So I hope everybody uh, will go to the website, Chris sky or change and become a member of this party for April 1st. 
I'm going to be there. We're going to have some amazing speakers and I'm going to talk a lot about my platform and how I'm going to help you and your family. And the very first thing I will do as mayor, because under the new mayoral powers act enacted in 2022, the mayor has the sole ability to veto any bylaw of the city without any council involvement whatsoever. Every one of those mandates and restrictions is a bylaw. So with the snap of my fingers, the first thing I'll do is remove every mandate and restriction on every business and individual in the city of Toronto. The second thing I would do is have all those people who are unjustly fired rehired. The third thing I would do is refocus my efforts to repair the relationship between the police and the public. And the first thing I would do for that is to find all of the officers that gave out the most COVID fines over the last three years and immediately have them removed from the police force. Because handing out fines when people were already financially struggling and already going through mental health crises for such arbitrary things like sitting on a park bench that you weren't supposed to be on, those are not the kind of police we need in our city. That's not serving and protecting the public. That is serving and protecting your own ego and your own interests. And we don't need police like that. We need the police that have the integrity to say, I'm not going to wear a mask, I'm not going to take a jab, and I'm not going to give out these ridiculous fines to people. Those are the officers we need back on the force, and we need to clean house there. And then we need to give them some new directives, get rid of all the COVID directives that turn them into enforcers, and turn them once again into community-involved protectors and people that people can respect. Right away, that will change the entire dynamic and energy of the city. Then I'll look to the bloated, almost $17 billion city budget where every single part of the government asks for the maximum budget every year and frivolously spends that. You just muted. Notion of fiscal responsibility is going to be a tagline. It is going to be the bedrock of my establishment. And we are going to go through that budget with a fine-tooth comb. And I promise to save the people hundreds of millions of dollars that we can then use for what I'm going to call special community programs that are going to improve the quality of life for minority communities, improve the quality of life for the most helpless of our population, like our homeless and our veterans, and create programs for housing, for jobs, for mental health, and everything that we are lacking in the city, that we have the money, we have the infrastructure, but it's just being squandered and it's just being wasted because these public sector workers have never worked within the private sector. They don't know what it's like to have a budget and a timeline. My name is Chris Sky because I own Sky Homes Corporation. We are a residential develop, design, and build corporation that has done thousands of homes all over Ontario. Since I was 19 years old, I was working in the private sector, but having to work with the government, having to work through their bureaucracy, having to cut through their red tape where they have no sense of time or budget under very tight time and budgetary constraints of a private sector development business. So not only do I know how to work in the private sector, I know how to work efficiently in the public sector, which is an oxymoron in, in society today. I also have the unique ability of over 20 years of planning experience. So I understand the implications of the 15-minute city. I understand the implications of the traffic studies they do. I understand this far better than any of the other candidates who will simply be promoting these ideas because they are going to get federal dollars to do so. I will preclude one dollar of the federal budget from going to promoting a 15-minute city, a personal carbon allowance, a digital ID, and definitely for all ages drag shows. Yeah, because right now the government of Ontario, municipal governments of Ontario, are putting aside our tax dollars for all ages drag shows. So drag queens can perform for 12-year-old children in sexualized ways, and we're supporting that with our tax dollars. So there's plenty of ways we are going to instantly and drastically improve the quality of life for Canadians. We're going to increase the standard of living and lower the cost of living. 
And it's through fiscal responsibility. It's through being efficient with the money that we had. Toronto has a plethora of money, but it has the most waste, corruption, embezzlement, and money laundering of any government probably in the world. Canada net ranked number one in worldwide banking corruption, ladies and gentlemen. Look that up if you don't believe me. And in a place like Toronto that has one of the highest GDPs in North America in such a highly concentrated area and receives so much federal programs, there is so much waste and so much theft of your tax dollars for this gravy-trained government. And when I get in power, I will amplify phase three of United Noncompliance holding these people accountable to a level never before seen and never before even thought possible. That is the power that comes with me being Toronto mayor. My voice amplified, my voice legitimized, and the amount of people that we can make aware and we can inspire to action will increase exponentially. We can not only put a stop to their 15-minute city and carbon tax and carbon allowance agenda, we can actually put the country on a path of change to betterness. It didn't get like this overnight. This was about 30-plus years of neglect by the public and just allowing these politicians to make all their decisions for them and squander and steal and corrupt over the years. And we can stop it now, and we can put us back on a path of prosperity, one that the rest of the world can take note of and one that the rest of the world can take example of. And finally, one that Canada can be proud of. That is my vision for the city of Toronto. That is my vision for the people of Toronto. And I believe that I can employ that vision, and I don't think they have anybody that can stop you know, it'll be such a victory for the Great Awakening if you do become mayor, because you and I both know they must be pulling their teeth out at the very thought of you running for mayor, much less becoming mayor. So I had two questions left for you, but you just answered one of them. What would you do? What would you want to do if you became mayor? So my final question for you is, and let me just make the observation that you and your wife, Jennifer, have been on the front lines of the war started in Canada by the fascist, tyrannical reign of the hand of the queen and the World Economic Forum puppet Justin Castro Trudeau. And you've been persecuted for doing so. You've been jailed for doing so. So the final question 25 is, times. Yeah. The final question is this. What does it feel like to stand against this blatant anti-human tyranny and then become a target of the tyranny for standing up against it? Is it invigorating? Is it terrifying or both? Well, I get a whole different set of emotions. When I see kids suffering because of this, I cry and I get angry and I want to help them. When I see them doing everything they can to try to stop me or try to discredit me, it just makes me more empowered because I know I'm doing the right thing. And I know I keep doing the right thing and I keep moving forward that they can't stop me. I believe I'm doing God's work. I believe I'm protected and that's why they've arrested me 25 times in 27 months. But I'm still here, aren't I? And I'm not scared. I'm not running away. In fact, I'm pushing forward. In fact, I'm aiming higher. In fact, I'm reaching for more power and more ways to fight them. So the harder they try and the more they resist the inevitable, the higher I'm going to rise to defeat them. It's that simple. Yeah. They should just back off now, leave humanity alone, call it a day. But they're not going to. And that's why I got to do what I got to do. Well, the other thing is, it's obvious that they have no grassroots support. They've exhausted <laughs> all of their goodwill with the American people and the Canadian people. They've lost all goodwill you, as you that the, uh, grassroots poll shows you, that uh, you're, you're trending on Google. That was a grassroots trend. You made the most important point right there, because up until this point, we they were very good at keeping us to a certain percentage of the population. Because we were labeled as anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, conspiracy theorists, far right, etc. But now, what is the number one adverse reaction to the vaccine? It's vaccine regret. And it's the acknowledgement that the vaccine was not everything that they promised. So now, all those people that got jabbed that never wanted it, and all those people that got jabbed that got hurt by it, or all those people that got jabbed and simply regret it because now they know they're ticking tie bombs. Well, guess what? They don't care if you're an anti-masker or an anti-vaxxer. 
Now they're starting to realize that this had nothing to do with masks, nothing to do with vaccines and everything to do with taking away their freedom and their ability to enjoy their life. So now all those people will come on our side. All those people become part of the freedom movement. And now it is no longer a movement of so-called anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers because we've just brought in all the people that were wearing masks and took the jab. So now they have not even a way to demonize us anymore. And we have more numbers than we had before. And it's a lot easier to get people to stand up to the climate change tyranny than it was the COVID tyranny. There's no more public health emergency. There's no fines or threat of imprisonment or threat of losing your job or threat of your family not talking to you anymore because you said to them, hey, guys, I don't think I want to live in a 15-minute city. But if you said, hey, guys, I don't want to get a vaccine, that was cause for some people to get kicked out of their the homes they lived in in some cases. So the stakes now are just as high as they were before, but – our message appeals to a much higher percentage of the population and the cost for standing up for yourself is a lot less now than it was before. So you combine all those things together with the fact that we all know that the inevitability is enough people wake up to what they're doing before they can fully implement their plan and it's going to fall apart yeah. for their plan to work Every single layer of tyranny that we discussed needs to be implemented and needs to be implemented in a timely fashion before the people can figure out what's really going on and resist it. And what do we know about best laid plans? There's something called Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And guess what? I'm here to make sure that everything that can go wrong and then some goes wrong for the WEF, the WHO, and anybody who believes that they have the authority to govern the lives and the decisions of sovereign people around the world. Well, thanks for going under the wire first and setting an example for everybody else. You nailed it in the beginning of a change. The Patriot is a scarce man and brave and hated and scorned as you've been. When his cause succeeds, the timid join him, for then it costs nothing to be a Patriot. Mark Twain said that. And I think he's right. But the good news is the timid are beginning to stand up and join in this fight for their freedom because the choice is slavery. It's serfdom or slavery. It's the Great Awakening or the Great Reset. That's the choice. It's very clear. Klaus Schwab, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, all of these Bill Gates, Joe Biden, Trudeau Castro, they're all in the same boat. They're all aligned against we the people. They all stand with the United Nations, UN Agenda 2030 and Klaus Schwab. And uh, my hat's off. To you, Chris Sky, for doing something about it. Uh, I guess my last final question is, and I'll plug the site again, chrissky4change.com. The event is on April 1st. Uh, two questions. Are you running as Chris Sky or Chris Sakocha, number one? And number two, can people in America donate to help you out? Okay, so that's a two-part question. You're probably going to force me to write Chris Sakocha on the ballot as a means to try to diminish my reach. And that's not going to be a problem because everybody in Canada knows my real name because they've arrested me so many times. They said my real name along with my other name. And it's not like it's a stage name. It's my name from my company that people have been calling me for over 20 years. So I don't think it's going to be a problem because on uh, all of my ads, it'll say Chris Sky and it'll have my last name as well. So people yeah. will know. And my grassroots following and my volunteers are going to be very, very, very active. So I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. And with regards to donations, right now, I'm simply just an activist intent, intent on creating the conditions where I will be able to have a campaign for mayor. So that means anybody in the world can donate to my cause from anywhere. So if people from the States or internationally uh, they can send me crypto, they can send me wires, they can send me checks. And I'm allowed to take that because I'm on tour 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like I'm in Toronto. I got to Toronto a few days ago. I'm here till Monday. I'm going to be in Edmonton for two days. Then I'm in Vancouver for two days, back in Edmonton for one day, back to Vancouver for one day, back to Edmonton for two days, Calgary for three days, and then back to Toronto for three months for the election. So as you can see, we stay extremely busy. Uh, we're doing activism all over the world, and we're and we're set and we're creating the conditions that I will be able to leave uh, to stay in Toronto for the entire time to do the election and create the conditions for when I win the election to stick around after. I've been living in Toronto for 39 years, but for the last uh, three years, we've been on tour virtually nonstop, literally. 
you know, I want to show the website. We'll say our goodbyes here, but uh, your work experience, your career, and your energy reminds me of somebody else, really just one person, Donald J. Trump. I think it's interesting. He seems to have boundless energy, and I think that comes from a spiritual place. If you actually care about your country and the people you represent, if you're not lying, if you're not weaving tangled webs of deceit, I think that's where the energy comes from, a place of honesty, love, and passion for your nation and the sovereignty of your nation and for the people, the sanctity and good of your people. So the real Chris Sky for Change, guys, you can find the website. I'll link it below, chrisskyforchange.com. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate you, man. Please stay in touch. It's a, it was a pleasure, and I'm sorry that the first time we were supposed to be together, something happened, and I couldn't make it. I make ninety nine point nine 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 percent of my appointments. I even made it for my tattoo appointment after I got out of prison. <laughs> so, <laughs> no problem, no problem. Yeah, we were supposed to talk. I don't know a few months back, but uh, things got screwed up. But you're the busiest guy I know, so no problem. Thank you so much for making time today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. God bless you all. All right, a pleasure. Uh, the best to your wife, Jennifer. Good luck to you. Stay safe. I know you've got uh, a mark on your back. These people, look, they lie, they cheat, they steal. And if the Clinton body count is to be believed, they kill. So stay safe. I know people have your six, right? The people do. So please stay safe and keep in touch. All right, Chris Guy's been our guest. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. All right. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in, as always, really, for real news every single day for free. By the way, I'll leave the link to Chris Sky's website below. But for real news, join us every single day for free at thephaser.com, thelibertymill.com, and sgtreport.com. Those are antidotes to corporate propaganda. God bless you and yours. God bless you and yours, friends. Bye-bye. Nonstop, nonstop chemtrails, and people still can't believe how dark and demonic these forces that ought not be are. We don't know how astronomical the total toxicity is. And I agree with your assessment, Diane, completely. It's a wonder any of us are able to walk and talk at this point, given the level of contamination we're being exposed to. But it's killing everything from every conceivable direction. What's happening in our skies holds our collective futures in the balance. We have to face it or we're done.